Well, I was thinking this week about a time, I, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe, I, had a, I went on a missions trip kind of thing to Manila in the Philippines and uh, had a chance to train some church planners and to, to kind of see some of the country, which is awesome. And, uh, and one of the things that really uh, took me by surprise is uh, one of our, the, the people that was hosting us took us for a ride. They were showing us around the city, and they actually took us to a place I never expected to go. They took us to the garbage dump in Manila. And I have to say, I was sort of like, okay, this is, this wouldn't like really make my travel guide, but I mean like, hey, you know, teach his own, you know, it's, it's that kind of a thing. But he took us there and he started telling us stories and he took us to a certain part where in the middle of this garbage dump, you could actually, I mean, mounds and mounds, I got a couple pictures. In the middle of this garbage dump, people live there. In fact, tens of thousands of people live there, and they live in these slums. They send their kids out early in the morning after the trash has come in to see what they can find to eat for the family for the day. They, they make houses out of uh, stuff that they find in the garbage. I mean, many people in this, in this slum, actually, this is their entire experience in life. They are born and raised in this garbage dump. They live their entire life there, and one day they will die never having even experienced even more of the city beyond the garbage dump. This is the reality. Now, now this is shocking to me, but our guide took us and kind of shared with us some stories about some missionaries from the U.S. and from other parts in Europe that actually chose to give up the privileges of living in the States, uh, the, the standard of living, those kinds of things, and they went for the sake of, of expressing and showing and sharing God's love to people that would never hear it any other way. They left home, and they went, and they lived in the garbage dump in order to reach and to save those that were living there, in order to bring the good news about Jesus to people that would never hear it. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear stories. I mean, I started tearing up as, our, as they were telling stories. I hear stories like, this is jaw-dropping to me, to think of, you know, like your house, <laughs> where you live, the food that you eat, everything that you enjoy being an American. Can you imagine giving that up and to go live in a garbage dump to share the love of God with people that desperately need it. I have to say, as shocking as that is, it is nothing compared to what we celebrate here tonight. Because tonight we come and we remember that according to the Scriptures, God stepped out of heaven, was sent to earth to live and to die and to rise again he came, he gave up all the, the gloriousness of heaven. I mean, you guys, some of you guys have read or are familiar. I mean, the Bible, the authors of the Bible have a hard time even putting into words what heaven could be like. They're the best, I mean, they're trying to come up with things and they're like, I don't know, like streets of gold is like rubies and, I mean, it's like, it's amazing is what they're saying. You can't even imagine, there's not even words to express how amazing it is to be in the presence of God in heaven forever. And so, he, Again, imagine God giving that up to, coming, to come down basically to a garbage dump in comparison, to live and to die and to rise, because, and he did it to bring the love of God to you. He did it to bring salvation to you and to me and to mankind. That is what, in a nutshell, that's the Christmas story. In a nutshell, that is what we celebrate and what we remember. I mean, it's, it's interesting this time of year, right? We, we, we have little nativities and they're all nice, squeaky clean little nativity things. And we, or like we talk about the baby coming and the baby's coming. It's, like, it's, it's great. And it's fun. It's happy. We send cards and it's all. But I mean, to think about this is mind-blowing. God coming to earth for you 
It's, it's, it really is uh, awe-inspiring and jaw-dropping. And the question that, of course, I think you have to ask as you think about that and really ponder that is why? Why would he do that, right? Why would Jesus choose that? I mean, why, why would he bust in and interrupt human history like that? Why would he bust into Mary and Joseph's world? Why would he come into our world like that? Why would he do it? Why would he give up so much? Yes, we can say it's for us, but why would he do it? And so today, tonight, in just... Uh, um, just a little bit of time. I just want to look at two different pieces of the Christmas story, and I want, you, I want you to focus around the name that is given to Jesus. And we've been talking about the names ascribed to Jesus over the last four weeks, and tonight I want to wrap up uh, just by, again, two different uh, gospel stories, and I want you to focus in on, on the name, the identity that was given to Christ, because it's a snapshot into why he would come, into why he would sacrifice so much, and really it's a snapshot into how crazy he is about you. Okay, so we're going to start out, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. It says this, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, uh, had been faithful to the law, uh, yet he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, because in those days, they, once you were um, once you were promised to one another, you actually had to go through a formal divorce process just to get out of an engagement. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But anyway, verse 20 says, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus, the name Jesus actually means, literally means God saves. It means God delivers or God rescues. And so he says, the, the angel says to Joseph, hey, you're going to have a son. Mary's going to have a son. And when, you, when, when the baby is born, give him the name Jesus. God saves because he has come to rescue you. He has come to save his people from their sins. His name is to be called Jesus. And then let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and look at uh, Luke chapter 2, 2 that Tina just read. I'll just read just a couple verses. But it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Yeah, I would be too. But the angel said to them, uh, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has come to you. He is the Messiah. He's the anointed one, the promised one, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There is good news of great joy for all people, the angel says, because today a, a Savior has come to you. It's good news. So those two pieces, right, they're, they're saying the same thing. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And he says, the, the angel proclaims, good news of great joy because today a Savior has come to you. Don't miss him, right? A Savior has come for you. He's been born to you. He's Christ the Lord, and he's come to save you from your sins. Friends, Jesus came for one primary reason. He came to be your Savior, and He came to be my Savior. He came to be the Savior of the world. He came for you and for me because 
whether we like it or not, because we are in need of saving, right? Because you and I are in need of a Savior. Like somebody that's drowning out at a sea, whether we know it or not, we are in need of rescuing. We are in need of somebody to rescue us, to pick us up, to pull us out of the water, to put our feet on solid ground. We are in need of saving. I was talking, I spent some time this week uh, videotaping uh, those stories of uh, people that are getting baptized next week, and, and we, we talked about this uh, with them, uh, but the baptism sometimes is kind of a picture of that. It's a picture, I, I always joke with them and say, in the early church, they used to hold people underwater for a little while, kind of in proportion to how big a sinner they were. <laughs> so, so I'm like, we like to be biblical here, so we're going to take you, hold you under the water for a while, and, and I'm joking, kind of, but, <laughs> but, but, when, but then when they would pull them up out of the water, people would gasp. They'd be, <gasps> and it was a picture of what Christ had done. He came to save them. He came to pull them out of the depths of death and to bring, put new life in their lungs again, right? A Savior has come. He has come to bring new life to us, to fill us, and to, to bring us to life again and, and send us out to live something better, to live something new, Jesus, whether we, we want him or not, whether we recognize that we need it or not, he came as the Savior that we need more than anything else. He came as the Savior that our, we need for our souls, the, the, the Savior we need to rescue us from the junk and the sin and the stuff of the past, even those addictions, those habits that we can't seem to get free from, that seem to claw us and grab onto us. He came to break those chains and to set us free. He came to, he came to save us and rescue us even in the present. We'll talk about this in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. I was getting in trouble, but anyway, but he came to be with us, right? He didn't just, he doesn't just leave us as orphans and be like, well, you're on your own. I saved you from the past. The rest is up to you kind of thing. No, it's not God watching us from a distance. He is present. In fact, he's come to live inside of us. He's the Emmanuel as well, right? The God that is with us. He saves us from the past. He saves us from the present. He also saves us in the future sense. He continues to save us as we look ahead to heaven and assures us that because of the coming of this Savior, there is hope for a happily ever after in heaven, right? That you and I can know that we know that we know that when we die, we will be more alive than we have ever been. There's hope for the future that way. You know, I was blown away uh, this week as I was studying, reading through the Christmas stories from the Gospels. Again, <laughs> I, it, it never ceases to, to amaze me or surprise me, but you, st you start out the very first Gospel, Matthew. It's a, this, it's a biography about Jesus, and you start reading, and it's the... <laughs> You're like, who starts a book this way? Any preaching class will tell you, you want to start with a story. You want to start something engaging. You got 30 seconds to get them. Well, they start with the genealogy of Jesus, right? You guys, it's like, so-and-so is the father of so-and-so, and so-and-so. And you're like, by the time you get about halfway through the first chapter of Matthew, you're like, this may be the most boring thing I've ever read. Like, what, what is the point of this? Like, who, who starts a gospel this way? Didn't they get the, didn't get, they get the cliff notes on this? But you start reading through it, and, and, and at first, first glance, it seems boring, but when you look closer, the, the writer seems to go, and God, right, being the, the, the ultimate writer behind, he seems to go out of his way to point out the sinners in the lineage of Jesus. He goes way out of his way. He starts, he starts mentioning, dropping names that he doesn't have to, names like Rahab. For those of you that, are, that know the Bible a little bit, what was Rahab's occupation? She's somebody in the Old Testament. What was her occupation? She was a prostitute. 
You're like, why would you put that in the lineage of Jesus? We're trying to make him look good, aren't we? We're trying to like focus him in and look all pretty. Why would you put Rahab in there? And then you go on, you, and it mentions Tamar. Well, we're just not even going to tell that story because it's just not appropriate in church, right? We're like, there's all kinds of immorality there. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Go home. You can look it up. You, you, keep going, you keep going, and it mentions Ruth, which Ruth is actually kind of a hero. She's pretty cool, but I have to say, you want to know, you want to know what, what the primary trait is that, that people would have thought of when they thought with Ruth? She was a foreigner, right? Which to the Jewish people in that day meant she was an outsider. She, she was not one, she was an outsider, you're like, why would you put that in there? Uh, how about this? Even King David, who's like one of the greats, right? Like he's got some game when it comes to following God, right? Like you're like, this is the good stuff. Well, this is, this is, it's like David was the father of Solomon, which you could have just left it at that, but then it goes on to say, no, he's the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife, right? Now, I don't, uh, again, it's a little bit of a dig here, but it's saying his, his mother was Bathsheba. Anybody ever heard of Bathsheba before? You're like, yeah, that whole like little affair thing that David had with her and then got her husband killed and brought her in and married her because she was pregnant and all this kind of stuff. You're like, there's scandal even in the lineage of Jesus. And again, you think, why would you do that? And I think, I think the reason that he does that, I think the reason that God includes those names in the genealogy of Jesus, because the very, the very next place that it goes is it, it talks about this whole lineage of Jesus, and then it says, it talks about Mary, and it talks about Joseph, and, and it gets to the point that we just read, right, where it says, there's good news of great joy, right? A Savior is coming. You're to give him the name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. The reason that it includes all that stuff is it's kind of a subtle reminder in saying sin touches us all. It's in the lineage of the Messiah. It's in the lineage, even the earthly lineage of the Savior. How much more so is it with us? The reality from a biblical perspective, the reality of what God says is you and I are in need of saving. We are desperately in need of a Savior. And even though we might want to <laughs> say, uh-uh, not me. If we're honest, if we can be honest, I think all of us could could step back and think, man, there are some things that have happened in my life, some things, even some areas that I have wanted to be free from. I'd, I've wanted to live differently. I've wanted, and I, the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. And the things that I do want to do, I can't do. I can't, there's a battle going on inside of me. Sometimes we say stuff that we're, even we're shocked by, you know, in anger or whatever else. We say something, we're like, I can't believe I did that. You know what the root of that is? It's sin. We are in need of a Savior. Sin has touched all of us. We are in need of saving. You are in need of saving. I am in need of saving. And as a result, God cared so much for you and so much for me that he sent a Savior because he's crazy about you because he knew that we needed one. It kind of reminds me of a story I heard, I don't know, a long time ago, but a story about a, a dad and a husband that was kind of an unchurched guy. It was Christmas Eve night, and there's a snowstorm going on outside, and his wife and his daughter are all ready to go to church. They're going to go to to a Christmas Eve uh, at their church, and they, they say, come on, Dad, like, why don't you come, come with us? And he puts his hands in his pocket and says, I don't believe in all that religion garbage. Right? I don't believe in that stuff. 
kind of thing. <laughs> it helps if you make that face. <laughs> but, but anyway, so he says, no, I don't, I don't believe in that. So, I mean, for years, his wife had been trying to, to tell him the gospel and share with him the good news about Jesus, that his Savior had come for him, that even though we, I mean, are stuck in our rebellion and our sin and our anger and our lust and our selfishness and on and on and on and on and on, that a Savior had come for us because he loved us so much he had died to save us so that we could come home, so that we could be with God forever. She'd been telling him over and over, he didn't want any of that nonsense. And so he stayed home, he sent them on his way, I'm never going, that kind of thing. Well, they get in their uh, car, they drive off. Again, uh, he closes the door, kind of goes in uh, in front of their big picture window, s- sits down on the couch, glances out the window, and as he does, he sees, uh, he just kind of gets a glimpse of like, you know, animal eyes kind of stuff. He's like, what is that out there? So he gets up at the window, and he starts looking out, and there are three kittens that are walking in the middle of the snowstorm. They're out there, and he's like, they're going to kill themselves, don't they? It's freezing out there. They're going to die. And so he gets on his hat. He gets on his coat. He goes outside, opens up the door. As soon as he opens the door, the cats start running off. And he's like, no, don't run away. Come back. He says, don't be afraid. I want to save you. But the cats were gone. It was too late. They were scared away by the stranger at the door. He slams the door. He's all ticked. He's like, well, I did everything I could, he thought to himself. What more could I do? In order to do more, he thought, I'd have to become a cat myself in order to reach and to rescue them. If I became a cat, I could tell them the way to be saved. I could show them. They would have to believe me unless they were fools. And at that moment, church bells rang in the distance, right? And he thought, I get it. That's what my wife's been trying to tell me forever. That's the Christmas story right? It's that God cared so much for you and for me that he actually became a human, that he came down to be a human, to try and show us and tell us and purchase for us the way that we can be saved, the way that we can be rescued, the way that we can come home and we can find life. That's the Christmas story. We were in need of saving, and so God came down in human form as a Savior to live and to die for our sins and to to rise again so that we can live. And if we're honest, we, we know that things are not as they should be. It could be in our relational world that's crumbling. It could be that we're hounded by an addiction or a habit of some sort that we just can't get rid of. It could be that our financial house is just in shambles and we are afraid of the future. It could be that we are plagued by anger or control issues or bitterness or unforgiveness just live inside of us like cancer growing more and more and we're just becoming more and more cynical and hard-hearted. It could be that we've got skeletons in our closet from our past but, but if we're honest, we can recognize that we are in need of saving and therefore God has sent a Savior to rescue us, to bring us home, to give us life. And if you're here today and you recognize that, if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I get it. I see enough about myself, my own patterns, my own habits, my own addiction, my own story, my own past informs me and tells me, I can tell you, I am a person that's in need of saving. And if that's you, I have to say there is good news of great joy today. Because tonight we celebrate, tonight we remember that a Savior has come for you. He loved you so much, He came after you. He's for you, He loves you. He died 
so that we can live. He came so that we can go home. He sacrificed so that we wouldn't have to, so that we could live the life that he was intended to in heaven and with him forever. He has opened wide the door and he invites you in tonight. He's come to be our savior. I mentioned this earlier. I'll put up that scripture. I think it's next. It should be up there someplace. You can skip that. Go ahead, one, and then skip that one. There you go. Next one. There we go. Right? This is what we're talking about. He came. He came to be our Savior, Jesus, the one who saves. But he also came to be the Emmanuel, the one who is in us and who is with us. He came for us, but he also came and lives with us and in us. He doesn't just abandon us or leave us on our own. So in moments where we, where we need comfort, he is there. In moments where we need power to live the new life that he's purchased for us, he is there. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and living inside of us if we receive it, if we receive him, right? He doesn't just leave us. He's present. He saves us from the past, the present, and the future. He came to save us and rescue us and be with us forever. And I'll tell you what, friends, more than in, that, that, that invitation is available to every person on the planet. That's why he says, I, I give you good news of great joy for all people. It's for everybody. If you'll simply open up the door of your heart by faith and just, and just recognize your need and cry out to him, I need you, Jesus. Would you come and would you forgive me? Would you come and would you save me? Not just be the Savior. Oh, I believe Jesus is a Savior. No, but to be my Savior. Would you forgive my sins? Would you forgive me for my pride? Would you forgive me for my rebellion? For, forgive me for pushing you away and going my own way again and again and again. Would you forgive me for my hard heart? Would you forgive me whatever? Would you be my Savior and my God? And I want to, with your help, I want to follow you. When we put our faith and trust in Christ like that, you know what happens? He comes in like a flood. <laughs> he comes in, pours out his love. He, had, he forgives us for our sins. He brings us back into his family. He puts his spirit inside of us to be with us forever. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you because I love you. I have come for you to be your savior and to be the God that is with you. Don't miss it. I'll tell you what, we celebrate Christmas it's a great thing, but so much of what we do is actually a distraction from the purpose of, uh, of why he came. And so tonight, I'm just going to encourage you, whether you have done this before and you're like, yeah, I've been to a thousand church services like this before. I've heard it and seen it, been there, prayed it, whatever, or whether it's brand new for you. I want us to receive him afresh tonight. I want us to respond to, to the Savior that has come for us by just opening up our hands and our hearts and just saying, Jesus, I need you. Would you come in and save me? Would you come in and rescue me? Maybe you're feeling far from God tonight. Maybe you're not sure he can forgive you for the stuff that's in your past. But I'll tell you what, friends, he can. <laughs> God came down as a savior, lived, died, rose again so that you can be forgiven and free so that you can live a new life if you'll just open up to him. Like I said, maybe you've done it a hundred times before. But maybe you're plagued again by guilt. Maybe there's junk going on in your life and you just, you need help. You need a savior to help you today. Like with the stuff that's going on to help you make it through today and tomorrow. 
Maybe Uncle Jimmy's going to be at Christmas tomorrow, and <laughs> you need some help, right? I mean, like, you need a Savior, <laughs> whatever it is. Let's just, I want us to close, and just if you're comfortable, I know this might be peg some of your weird meters or something, but if you're comfortable, why don't you just open up your hands a little bit just like this. Close your eyes. Nobody will see you. Just as a way to say, I need you, Jesus. Would you come? And then just pray with me. God, the reality about all of us, the reality about me, the reality about every person here is that we are people that are in need of saving. We're in need of saving in an eternal sense. God, we need you to, to, to save us and to forgive us for our sins and our rebellion and our pride. Just going our own way, just thinking it's all about us or whatever. But we need, we need saving in so many details of our day-to-day lives. Too. We need your presence and your power. We don't want to do it on our own anymore. Forgive us for screwing it up again and again. And God, right now we open up our hands and hearts and we just say, come Lord Jesus, come and rescue us. Come and forgive us for the, the, the sin and the rebellion that lives inside of us, the stuff of, in our past, the ways we've turned away. Forgive us, cleanse us, make us new. And then we say, oh come, oh come Emmanuel, come and take up residence in our lives, live in us, transform us, make us more and more like you. Father, we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you tonight for coming for us, for loving us that much that you would come as Savior, that you would come as Emmanuel. And again, we just cry out, we need you. Come and, come and have your way in us. Be our Savior, our King, our God. And with your help, we'll follow. We're all in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.